Hello, and welcome to the Folklore and Fiction Podcast. My name is Kelly McCaff Morin. I'm a PhD candidate in the Folklore Department at Memorial University of Newfoundland, and I'm also a speculative fiction writer under the pseudonym C.S. McCaff. The Folklore and Fiction Podcast and Dispatch synthesize these passions with a focus on folklore scholarship aimed at storytellers. You'll find the Folklore and Fiction archive along with the rest of my work online at folkloreandfiction.com. Interested listeners will find a link to the current dispatch in the show notes, where a more comprehensive record of this episode can be found, including a bibliography and other references. This episode of the Folklore and Fiction podcast was first published as a newsletter in November 2020. I'm recording it as a supplemental podcast now so that new listeners and subscribers have an opportunity to engage with the material. In it, I'm writing about performance, with help from scholars Dan Benamos, Roger D. Abrams, Richard Bauman, and others, author and playwright William Shakespeare, and the McCann Lee's Irish Dance Academy. I'm also exploring possible uses of performance in storytelling. This is the most theoretically chewy of the newsletters I've published in the last two years, but I've endeavored to make it tasty as well, so grab a glass of water and dig in. How Folklorists Understand Performance Folklorists use the term performance in several contexts. The most obvious of these are staged performances of folk music, folk song, folk dance, folk theater, and the like, and we'll be looking at an example of folk dance in the dispatch. We also understand performance as a nuanced expression of intangible cultural heritage and a phenomenon that arises out of everyday life. A nuanced expression of intangible cultural heritage. Pretend you're holding the complete fairy tales of the Brothers Grimm in your hands. You turn to page 86 and find the story Cinderella there. The book is a solid weight in your hands, and the story is printed in black ink on yellowing paper. It might be tempting to think of the story as a folkloric thing, but Dan Benamos argues that folklore is not an aggregate of things, but rather a communicative process. As you think on his argument, remember any adaptations of Cinderella you might have seen in film and theater. How different they are from one another, and how the story collected by the Brothers Grimm has changed in the hands of each teller. Sometimes those changes reflect our modern sensibilities about the societal values expressed in the story. And indeed, Roger Abrahams argues that storytellers can choose to ally themselves with the values reinforced by the expressive culture they communicate, or choose to transgress them. His argument reminds me of a scene in Ever After, where Danielle picks up the prince in a fireman's carry and hauls him away to save his life. That isn't in the original tale of the good and pious Cinderella, and it certainly appeals to modern feminist sensibilities. This appeal to modern sensibilities also brings to mind Richard Bauman's argument that both storytellers and their audiences are important to our folkloristic understanding of stories like Cinderella. Storytellers assume a responsibility for a degree of communicative competence in their adaptations. In other words, they make a tacit promise to be good at what they do by showing up to do it in the first place. Audiences are in a position to influence and evaluate those adaptations, and because audiences change over time, their evaluations also change. These arguments and others have prompted many folklorists to conclude that there is no version of Cinderella that might be put forward as a folkloric thing, not even in the book you're pretending to hold, especially since that tale was gathered from an oral tradition in which there were probably many versions. Instead, Cinderella exists as part of a communicative process involving storytellers who choose what to reinforce or change in the story, 
and audiences that guide these choices with their reception and evaluation of each adaptation. The same sort of analytical process applies when we undertake scholarship of folk music, folk song, folk dance, folk theater, and other expressions of intangible cultural heritage. A phenomenon that arises out of everyday life. The scholars I've cited above are important contributors to performance theory of folklore, and they help the discipline bring greater mobility and nuance to its work. But performance theory is useful beyond the study of narrative, music, song, dance, and theater. Regular newsletter readers have already been introduced to J.L. Austin's argument for a grammatical performative case, in which making a statement constitutes taking an action. Richard Schechner argues that human behavior in general, both individual and social... This episode of the Folklore and Fiction podcast is a preview, and you can listen to the full episode on the Folklore and Fiction website. Just click on the dispatch link in the show notes, or go to folkloreandfiction.com and sign up for a free account. Thanks very much for your interest. Copyright 2019-2023. Kelly S. McCath-Morin. All rights reserved unless Creative Commons licensing is specifically applied.